0: Um, I'm here as a translator rather than uh, a poet, and uh, I think translators should be neither seen nor heard, so I hope you'll forgive me. Uh, but um, if, if you look at the first issue of Archipelago, you'll see there's a 72-line poem by Osip Munderstam, and uh, you'll be relieved to hear I'm not going to read you all 72 lines. Uh, but Munderstam, um, I'm grateful, to Andrew for commissioning the translation, which takes us to the outer orbit of the archipelago, And uh, I want to say a few things about uh, the context for the poem and then just talk a little bit about um, the the sound of the poem and its argument and illustrate uh, by reading two two stanzas. I should say, as you'll hear in a second, that uh, Montestan was a great lover of medieval architecture and stone and uh, I'd forgotten what the divinity school looked like so it's a great privilege to um, talk about him in this this wonderful building. Um, The... Ode on the Slate is one of his most difficult poems, one of his most famously hermetic poems. Um, And it really inaugurates uh, a great change in his poetics. Uh, Until the early 1920s, Stone was Mandelstam's metaphor for the durability and beauty of poetry. Uh, In the poems of his first collection, which was entitled Stone, Kamen, he is a poet of the daylight. He sees harmony of a neoclassical kind between nature and culture. And the early poems in their linguistic brilliance rival the contrapuntal order of Bach. There's a wonderful poem about Bach. They saw visually with the Gothic arch and buttresses of Notre Dame. Again, there's a poem entitled Notre Dame. They transpose the cathedrals of the Kremlin onto the churches of Florence. And perhaps more optimistically than T.S. Eliot, by comparison, they recover from the debris of the past, the stuff of a new art. Montestam's poet figure is a down-to-earth, very superior craftsman, and nothing like a magus. Uh, The poet has the will to make art happen, and he speaks from the centre of his culture and for the intersection of East and West. But in the changed universe of 1922, his material is slate rather than stone. The Ode on the Slate is about slate and not stone of a crafted kind. His landscape is an elemental rock face rather than European church architecture, and The Ode on the Slate is a poem of the night and near prehistoric darkness. Montestam wrote his slate poem in 1922. At the time, he was not yet officially ostracized or unofficially hounded by the institutions of proletariat culture. His first arrest came 12 years later in 1934. But he already understood how profoundly hostile Soviet Russia was to his values and to the freedom of poetry. He even branded himself an honest traitor in a poem of 1920 and the cultural mainland of the Judeo-Christian civilization about which he wrote so much was receding and the Ode on a Slate is his vision of the archipelago of cultural survival. Montestam's archipelago, not yet the all too real Gulag archipelago that would be his final destination in 1938 Uh, this archipelago is the primitive landscape described in the Ode on a Slate where the poet hides And in this barren terrain, where the fruit of the classical world is reduced to the image of a single vine, poetic technology is only a flint, a piece of flint, with which he scratches words on the slate, words that he then erases out of fear. So the poem is a a self-erasing poem, in in a way. Uh, Now, the title in Russian, Gryffilnayorda, like the translation of the title in English, is ambiguous. Um, You know, the poem is an ode on a slate in that it is written on a slate. In fact, it seems to be written on a whole mountain of slate. But at the same time, the titles can mean in Russian uh, an ode in praise of slate. Uh, So is this a poem in praise of slate, as the title suggests? Well, a song of praise is audible in the sound texture, which pulls away from the enigmatic and verbally dense images. Uh, Attuned to the same dialogue of the stars, the poem begins with, uh, I suppose, the poet walking out and looking at the stars and thinking about the way in which they seem to talk to one another. And the poem begins with a quotation from Lermontov, who also wrote a famous poem about a solitary poet contemplating the the skies. And Mandelstam opens by hailing the mighty conjunction of that old song. Uh, Poetry, which is what he means by the old song, is of the same elemental quality as the song of the stars. This is the creative energy of nature what for the German romantics was the sublime voice of the universal whole. With his flint, and his voice is no more powerful than the drip of water on a rock, he can, from that old song, build a structure even in a barren world. And Mondoštam does create seemingly solid matter out of sound. From the very opening, flint, as a type of matter, is given its own musical substance in the poem. The Russian word, krimien, which means flint, is encrusted with alliteration on je, ch, and weighted with the heavy assonance of long vowels. Much of the verbal texture is made from three phonetic combinations, kr, gr in the words for slate, and flint, so that's krimien, grifil, and k with semi-vocalic y, a sound we don't have in English, a sort of diphthong. Over and over again, this percussive k, like flint against hard rock, is struck. And the key pair of rhyme words in the first stanza, which is reprised in the final, ninth stanza, are the words stik, which means conjunction, so the conjunction of the stars, and "Izik," meaning both tongue and language. And this is what the first stanza sounds like. Звезда звездой могучий стык, кремнистый путь и старые песни, кремня и воздуха язык, кремнен с водой спадковый перстень, на мягком сланце облаков This sound pattern ebbs away until erupting in the last two stanzas. Once again, the poet hears the sound of the mighty conjunction of song that links star with star in the heavens above, and that mighty conjunction is also at work in the earth, in the geological activity of the landscape, and he seems to hear it. And in the eighth stanza, the poet wanders about his identity and what disguises or aliases will keep him safe. So he's described this rock face in deeply metaphorical and dense language and then contemplates his own future. And he lists clandestine occupations. And that list is based on phonetic and grammatical parallelisms. And it echoes the same sound clusters associated with the slate, the flint and the music of the universe. This musical pattern is an associative corroboration of oneness with the slate Despite the fact that as an outsider to the culture, Mandershtan no longer has the right to build. He cannot be a mason, that's Kaminshik. He cannot be a roofer, Kurovelshik. He cannot be a shipbuilder. He can only be an archer, he says, Zastrilshik, with a flint arrow, a furtive warrior with his double soul. So he, he asks, Who am I? Ktoya? Ni Kaminshik primoy, ni Kurovelshik, ni Dvu rushnikia s tvaynoy dushoy. Ya nochi drug, ya dnya zastrelchik. Blazhu kto nazyval Rimnian učnikom vody pratochnoy. Blazhu kto zbizal Rimnian podoshvi gor na tyordey pochve. And in the final stanza, language, yezik, forges the seam stick so they rhyme once again for the second time in the poem, closing the cracks that have opened in the universe. Language leads to the roundness of the ring and horseshoe, symbols in the last stanza of continuity and creativity in the final line, as the poet seems ready to found civilization all over again. There are no cathedrals to be admired in this apocalyptic world. Civilization is no more than the obliquely observed huts of shepherds perched in the rock face. (coughs) Yet for all its foreboding and fear, this poem amazingly prolongs the architectural impulse that inspired the younger der lyrics about Notre Dame, about Hagia Sophia, and other great buildings. The ode is a piece of monumental lyric architecture, a home to the salvaged voices of earlier poets, including Lermontov, Novalis, Goethe, and his Russian predecessor, Dzerzhavin. The particular musical line that I'm picking out for you, instead of 72 lines, we've had 16, this particular line is important because the poet has only the phonetic architecture at his disposal. But that is no small thing since the song of his poetry and that of the slate are one and the same. The ode on a slate is not about the triumph of the will, but a triumph of an unstoppable musical instinct that the poet and nature share. Thank you.